What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show. I don't have a lot to say today. I just see something in myself and quite often in other people that I can't help but point to as what I'm thinking is a major contributing factor to why we stay where we are. How we slow down and stop our own growth. And increasingly so as we get older. And I constantly think about this paradox of how the older we get, of course, the goal is to acquire knowledge along the way that proves to be useful in navigating our life. That's the point of getting older and getting wiser. And the problem is that we as humans have a tendency to fall in love with our ideas and our discoveries. So that's what presents the paradox. It becomes this double-edged sword. The knowledge that we acquire, the same thing that we are meant to do as a way to build upon a lifetime of learnings to add to a map leading to a destination of our desire, the entire idea of getting older so we can navigate through life to our desires, to our goals, that same thing, that very thing can get in the way of the destination that we're after, the knowledge that we gain. And that's because we get attached to the discovery, the knowledge, the data that we discover along, that we add to our map. And we get more attached to the data, the piece of knowledge, more than the act of discovering itself. And that slows down and limits us over time as we literally slow our pace the more and more we add to our map. And the problem is our maps get outdated, but we fall in love with what we have added to them and thinking we've reached a sufficient point that is enough as the fatigue of discovery sets in. And yes, there's no doubt keeping up the spirit of discovery takes a lot of mental facilities. It's no wonder we try to optimize from what we've learned so we can build a mental shortcut to conclusions that would have taken our novice younger selves a lot longer to solve. So yes, we are supposed to use our knowledge and build upon it through life. So again, I don't fault us for doing what we are supposed to be doing as humans, building functional maps. Although, like I said, I can't help but think about how it presents a paradox and how it so blatantly plays out in front of me daily. And even with myself, if I'm being brutally honest, I tend to think about this on a spectrum from humility to hubris. The fresh, youthful, novice energy on one side that a budding apprentice brings to what he hopes to be his vocation one day in the future. This young apprentice, that energy that he brings is an energy most saturated with humility. And in my opinion, the most optimal state to learn and absorb like a sponge. But we lose that as time goes on. And that energy is optimal to learn because 
that open, humble state allows all to be taken in without preconceived notions or bad habits or biases. And it's like a fresh clay waiting eagerly to take form, to be shaped. And like the metaphor, over time we harden and cure. And to extend the metaphor further, at this most hardened stage, we are also most brittle and susceptible to be broken. So again, the paradox of this double-edged sword continues. So likewise, in speaking about the spectrum from humble to hubris, from humility to hubris, over time, we, in a sense, forego our humility for a growing sense of attachment and pride in the knowledge we have accrued and acquired, and deeming that knowledge most worthy to hold on to over all other knowledge that you have yet to come across and that you've come across so far. And that last part, the part where I said that as we grow more in love with the knowledge we have and move from the fresh student to the masterful professional, of course, we naturally grow more of a preference and opinion and attachment towards the knowledge we gain and have worked hard to gain. But the last part of the sentence, how that knowledge you've gained is for sure, maybe something you've worked hard to gain for sure amongst the sifting through the garbage that it must have taken. Yes, I credit you with that. But that last part again should bring even the most masterful of professionals back in touch with the humility they may have once applied to get to where they are to acquire all their knowledge. And is again that last part of the sentence that says, all your knowledge may be the most worthy of knowledge to hold on to as you have discovered so far through your hard work. However, that is only fairly assessed if taken in the context of all the other knowledge that you have yet to come across that still lies out there. And that should humble anyone. We don't know what we don't know. And the problem is that we forget that and lose touch with that the older we get. The things that we know don't just guide our decision-making as knowledge is meant to do and don't just simply offer greater wisdom in times of hardship as we would most competently want to be positioned with that lifetime of knowledge that we work for. Yes, it does give us all those things, but the problem is that we use all this knowledge that we have acquired and attach it to the value we assign ourselves. So the knowledge gets more hardened and fixated to where it is as opposed to serving the purpose of why we acquired it in the first place, which was to solve for something. And it may no longer solve for something. But now we have attached it to the value that we assign ourselves because it's what we know. So it becomes 
an ego identification. It becomes a measuring stick of you. You become attached to the ideas that you hold on to, not just because they are good ideas, but because they're who you think you are now. And then to question that would be to question you, and that's too threatening. And at a certain point, the more and more you collect of these things, the more and more threatening it becomes because it becomes more and more of you. And the unfortunate part is that you start to lose the best parts like the pliability you once had as a humble student, which kept you always sharpening your axe because of your acquired knowledge and its attachment to your personality now. And we've talked about what happens when we no longer grow in an ever-changing environment, right? You get left behind and decay. And here's the thing. Because this phenomenon is known that we do become rigid over time, and it's obviously known because we have names for people who fall outside of our understanding because they're too old, like boomers or whatever have you, we know what it's like to deal with someone who is stuck and rigid and not willing to be flexible enough to let in new information that the ever-changing world has presented us with. So we know that this exists, and no one likes a rigid individual. And in, as a peer, as a friend, as somebody to work with, no one likes a rigid individual who is uncoachable, or unwilling to adapt to change. They're hard to deal with. So we don't want to be that way, and many of us portray ourselves to be outwardly humble, to be coachable, to be open to feedback, to always be looking to grow. We try to express ourselves as people taking in the world like we're a sponge, and as in a way that we truly do serve the constant betterment of you. We try to express ourselves as people taking in the world like a sponge as in a way to truly serve the constant betterment of us. But again, inwardly, many of us become over time more and more rigid, regardless of what we're portraying to the world that we outwardly may say that we're humble and open to feedback. It's how do we internalize that feedback when we're back at our desk thinking about it or sitting in the car thinking about it? Do we really assess ourselves with it? And the problem is, inwardly, we become more and more rigid. We remain increasingly and become increasingly egotistical inwardly. As the years go on and as we fall more and more in love with the way that we've seen things and the way that we assess things, and the way that we have gathered things to be and have now less and less availability to contrast it, to see it any other way. We start blocking ourselves from seeing it other ways. And we stop being able to handle feedback, at least internally. So it doesn't have the impact or effect that it can have for us, for our betterment. And we stop being able to take in that criticism that, again, would only benefit us 
if we would let it benefit us, we lose our ability to be molded. And for many of us, I see it happen too early in life. Sometimes way too early in their professional careers, sometimes way too early in their youth, and sometimes almost as if the last 10, 20, 30 years of a God-given life doesn't mean anything to you anymore. So even if it's not your youth or your professional career and your 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, as if, as if at 60, you couldn't start another lifetime for the next 25 years of being an entirely new thing until you're 85 and beyond. It's not absurd to think that we could live till 85, but at 60, most of us, we start to count down our days instead of making our days count. We think we're done already. And this happens way before it needs to. And all this because of this inner growing rigidity that we have already gathered all the things that we need to gather and that life can only be what we have already seen it to be. And in that way, we fall in love with all the things that we've gathered. And that stops all the possibilities outside of it. And so it stifles and suffocates all that is possible for you just because you fall in love with what you already have. All it would take is to loosen the grip on that which you have already acquired to let in the acquisition of more. You can't get your gifts from God when both of your hands are full. You have to make room for more to come. And if you hold on to what you have already learned and don't make room for it to be replaced and be upgraded, then where you are and what you see will always be where you are and what you see. And I'm not saying be overly humble either. The knowledge you gain and pick up along the way in life is useful in the form of confidence that it provides you. And I give you that and I would tell you to take that knowledge and I wouldn't tell you that it's not important and that it's not a valuable thing. But it's actually the picking up of it that matters. The knowledge itself isn't the important or the valuable thing. It is the actual picking up of it that matters. The discovery and the willingness to discover and add new things to your map, even to replace old things in the same places that you may have already thought you have navigated and added data to, you may have to replace. And the willingness to do that and the actual discovery the falling in love with the actual picking up of the knowledge and not with the love of the knowledge itself that you have picked up. It's this physical, mental, spiritual playing with ideas, not the rigid love that we grow for them. And that is what we lose the connection to as that very connection delivers us the sweet fruits from that connection, the sweet fruits of wisdom and knowledge, 
from that exploration, that discovery, we have to continue to love that cultivating, the gardening, the process, the discovery as much as eating the fruit. But again, no one is saying abandon what you have gathered and saying to be too humble and to not use those collection of those fruits as a source of some form of satiation for you. It should fill something. It should steam something. It should fuel something. The knowledge you acquire has ample utility. It's only your falling in love with it that introduces the trouble. And I've been on the polar opposite end of too humble and playing too small in my life, almost to the point I don't credit myself with having gained anything along the way. I almost look at myself like a newborn baby on a daily basis. This is hard on my soul. Who, if I don't prove to myself that I can do what I did just a week ago or a month ago today, if I don't show that to myself today, that I don't believe that I can do it, that I don't believe I still hold that knowledge or it's applicable, I have to prove that to myself on a daily basis. I consider myself like a newborn baby on a daily basis. And that in itself can sometimes keep me from playing too small because I don't hold on to the confidence of all that knowledge and all that I have done in the past as a way to be foundational for the things that I sign up for. So yes, I'm not saying be too humble. For me, it's almost as if I don't ever fall back on having acquired something. Even through painful, decade-long striving, no matter how long I have had it, if I haven't done it recently, today, I never consider it mine to hold. And this is a conversation about privileges and rights that I want to make a whole other episode about. But these things, these skills, they're all perishable. Everything that you have done in your life, they are perishable. They are privileges while you have them. They are not rights. You don't get to acquire something and have it be applicable as a right forever. Unless it's a sound principle that's time-tested. But for me, this shows up as sometimes being too humble because I don't hold on to any of this acquisition. And it does have benefits, but I never think I have it and I don't have to prove it to myself and that it's mine to keep another day without proving it to myself. And that might be excessive. I don't think we have to question or downplay what we have picked up along the way as much as I tend to. But even in recognizing this flaw in myself, I don't focus on patching it because that excessive humility for me also steams such a powerful and forceful energy inside of me that keeps me learning, that keeps me young, that maintains and has even crept up speed on the pace of student learning. I embrace this flaw as it is my insurance policy 
at 60. To still look at year 60 to 61 as a year of reinvention, as much as I hope to from year 80 to 81, I hope to maintain this internal level of humility, and I hope it never hardens into hubris. The world has so much to teach, but I don't prescribe my excessiveness. I'm just saying there is a balance here that some of us go too far on one end of for comfort. And you tell me which side sounds more comfortable. The student who always has more to learn or the person who thinks he has already. So even though I said way more than I planned to and I didn't expect this episode to go this long, what I hope for you and your life, what I hope to encounter for myself in the humans that I interact with on a daily basis is that on top of the complexity that excelling in life already presents, as difficult as it is already to succeed and excel in life, what I hope is that we, at the least, don't unnecessarily add to that complexity and pose a constraint to what we can be. We ourselves don't stand in the way. So love all that you know but not more than what you can. Love all that you are, but not in lieu of what you can be. I love you, family. See you next time. Please share the show.